Amen. John 14, verse 26. John 14, verse 26. God's word to you today. Jesus said, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and he will remind you of everything that I have told you. This is God's word to you today. You can be seated. Thank you, guys. Several years ago, I read an, an article in the USA Today that, that really touched me. It was a story about a young girl in California that lost her father at a young age. And on his birthday, she wrote him a note, a letter, and she attached it to a helium balloon and let it go. The letter simply said, Dear Daddy, I'll always be your little girl. Don't ever forget that. She addressed it in an envelope, attached it to the balloon, and let it float away. The article recorded the rest of the story, which is that that balloon traveled 500 miles and landed in a restaurant parking lot where the owner of the restaurant went out and saw it and thought it was trash and went to throw it away and saw the envelope and realized it was a letter. She opened up the letter and read the simple note from the young girl to her deceased father and knew immediately that this was a letter that she was meant to receive. She went about the work of tracking this little girl down from the address on the envelope and then collecting items that a young girl would want from their dad. Uh, jewelry and candy and I have two of my own, cash. Um, <laughs> and putting it in a care package and then delivering it on behalf of her father to her. Messages are important. Especially messages that overcome all kinds of obstacles to get to their recipient. And of course, this is the message of God to you that overcame all obstacles to get to you, to reach you, to speak to you. I love what the writer of the book of Hebrews says in the opening lines, which there's so much good stuff in there. We'll, we'll, we'll walk through that together at some point as a church, the book of Hebrews. But the opening line is so striking and you could miss it if you went through it too quickly. Verse one in the first part of verse two simply says this. The author says, long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son, through Jesus. What does this mean? What does the scripture mean? It means that God has always been speaking. Throughout time, God has been speaking to his people a message, an important message, and overcoming all kinds of obstacles to break through into our world and communicate to us. And God used general revelation, that is creation itself, to show us himself and his majesty. He used prophets and people just like us to deliver his message. He used miracles of all kinds that are recorded to break into our world and to speak to us. But God's ultimate message to each and every one of us was Jesus, his son, 
that came into the world, God himself taking on flesh, becoming one of us to reveal himself to us and to explain himself to us and invite us into a real and lasting and saving relationship. The message of Jesus himself overcame all odds and obstacles to reach you. God spoke to you and God is still speaking today. And the trouble is, the challenge is, if you're like me, and understanding that God has spoken, as the author of Hebrews says, in many ways throughout, throughout all time, and now he's speaking through Jesus, the trouble becomes me listening. And I don't know if you're like me, but, you know, the, it's like a, my heart is like a radio dial. And if I'm not tuned to the, I know we don't use radios a whole lot anymore, but you have one in your car, and, and if, you, if you tune it to a frequency, it picks up someone giving you a message or songs or whatever it might be, and you can, you can hear it clearly. And, and the same is true spiritually. If my heart is not attuned to the way God is speaking, because he is speaking, but if the frequency of my heart is not attuned to that, I could miss it. As Stuart just prayed for us and, and shared this song with us, make room. If I'm not making room in my heart and my mind to hear from God, I could miss it. And one of the things we've talked all throughout this Experiencing God series about how to know God and, and, and relate to him and do more of his will in our lives is this metaphor that I'm typically out front of God. I don't know about you, but just to confess to you, I've been many times in my life way out ahead of God. And, and God is a part of my life. Jesus is a part of my life, but he's somewhere back here right? And at different crossroads in my life or crises in my life, when I really need to hear from God or I really need confirmation or, or his blessing in my life, then I'll say, come on up here, Jesus, and give me a word. I need a word from you, Lord. And if I hear that word, or I get that direction, and I get past the crisis in my life, get on back there, Jesus, so I can get on with my life and charge ahead. And it's, it's kind of comical, but, but not really. If I'm honest with you, there's been so many times in my life where that's been my posture. And I only really want to hear from God when I need something in a pinch or in a crisis. And I would call this, you know, again, just you, maybe you have your own ways that you miss God. Or your, your heart's not attuned to him. Maybe today as you, as you sit here even, you're already thinking about things tomorrow or things that are burdening you and, and you could miss the ways that he's speaking. One of the ways that, just to confess to you, that I've missed God speaking, I know in my life, is what I would call the God stop me method. Let's see if any of you have ever fallen prey to this. Where you say, I'm out here, I'm charging ahead with my life, my purposes, the things that I want to get done and accomplish in my life and, and see happen. And I want God to be a part of my life and be a part of that and kind of advise me on that, but I'm really in the lead. And what I'm saying is, God, you just stop me if I'm not in your will. If you don't want me to turn left here, cause the car to break down. Because you're all powerful, and that's good theology. You're in charge, and, and you're all powerful, God, and I believe that. And so if I'm doing something wrong here, you just, you just stop it. If I'm not supposed to go here, cause the plane to you know, be mechanically delayed or something. If I'm not supposed to whatever, you just stop me, God. And here's what I would say, guys. Can God work that way? Absolutely can. And he's been gracious in my life to sometimes work that way and stop me. But it's a terrible posture to hear from God. And, and here's why. I'm in control. And I'm out front here. 
and I'm dictating to God the terms that he has to speak to me and how he has to do it and the time frame that he has to do it instead of me attuning my heart and waiting to hear from him. And I don't know if you can relate to that or, or another way in your life that, that maybe you just haven't had your frequency attuned to the frequency of God and how he's speaking. But the truth is that God's always speaking and that we miss it. And we have to be really, really careful who we're handing the microphone of our lives to. Bob Goff says it this way, be careful who you hand the microphone of your life to. Don't listen to the loudest voice, listen to the truest. I don't know about you, but especially when I'm in crisis or I'm in pain, I, it's, it's like I'm walking around with a microphone going, do you have the answer? You got a word? Can you tell me something? And I'm just going to each and every person and saying, can you just tell me what to do here? Can you speak in my life? And then add, you know, the things that we carry around in our pockets and scrolling through different platforms and different people that would love to have a microphone and a voice in your life and are just looking for anybody to listen to them and are self-proclaimed experts because they have a following of a certain number. And now I'm an expert and I can just speak into everybody's life and I've got to just scroll through and listen to all that. And we live in a time where there's so many voices, it's so noisy. And so we have to come back to what's the true voice of God, not the loudest. And that brings us back to our series. You know, this whole series is predicated on one verse. I'm gonna keep mentioning it, John 17, three. It's known in the scriptures as the high priestly prayer where Jesus prays for you. Did you know Jesus prayed for you? Jesus prayed for you. And one of the things that he prayed for you in the gospel of John is that you would have eternal life. What does that mean? Real life, that you would have real life. Another place in the Gospel of John, it says, Jesus says, I came that you might have life and have it overflowing abundantly. You'd have real life. And then he answers the question, well, how do I have real life in John 17, 3? By knowing the one true God. By knowing God. And the word know there in John 17, 3 doesn't just mean intellectual assent. It means a relationship an experience with God, to, to really know God. And we've talked about it. Everybody watch this. Those of you watching online. You can know a lot of things about God and not know God. There's a difference. And Jesus prays that we would know God in a real relationship. And so we've been looking in knowing God and experiencing God in that way, which I know is the desire of each of our hearts. How do we do that? And when we look throughout the, the counsel of the scriptures of how God has been known to work, because this is God's revelation to us, we're gonna talk about that in a second. When we look at how God has worked, all throughout the course of humanity, we can begin to discern different realities of how he's been known to best work and show up. We can begin to look at how God has spoken and, and how he's worked in people's lives. And we know from the book of Hebrews that he's the same God is yesterday, today, and forever. So we can look at these realities of how he's been known to best show up and work and begin to discern how might he do that in my life so that I might know God and experience God. And so we talked about the first reality being that God is always at work around us. As Stuart prayed, I don't have to conjure up and just, just, just bow up and just kind of power through to get God to work in my life. God is always at work. God's always working in his world. And he's been at work long before I came on the scene. You know, the curtain of my story will fall. But the curtain will never fall on God's story. People come and go. Kings rise and fall but the kingdom of God marches on. And so God's always at work. And not only that, second reality, God is always in that work pursuing a relationship with people, pursuing a relationship with you, 
A relationship is not just a corporate relationship with humanity, but a personal relationship with you. He knows you by name. We're reminded in the Gospels that he knows every hair on your head. That he knows everything that happens in his creation. He knows you. And he calls you by name. And we looked at the conversation in John 3 with Nicodemus, who's trying to understand all this, just like we are. And Jesus saying to him, no, there's a whole other reality. There's a whole other spiritual renewal and awakening that has to happen in your life as, you, as the curtain falls on your own plans and desires and it rises on the desires and the purposes of God. And it's not based on morality or religiosity. Some of you come in the room today thinking, I just have to be better. I just have to work harder. I have to, have to try harder. And what Jesus says, no, is you have to believe. Faith, trust, that's what the relationship is built on. So God pursues this type of trusting, loving relationship with each and every one of us. And last week we learned through the narrative of Moses in Exodus chapters 1 through 3 that God then invites us to join him in his work. All the way back to number one. And what is his work? To pursue real and loving, lasting relationships with people just like us. And then God invites us to join him in his work. In other words, God uses his people to share his plans with all people. So we're invited into his work of pursuing a loving, lasting relationship with our coworkers, with our friends, with our family, with our city, with our world, here, near, and far. God invites us into his mission. And then today, again, fourth reality of how God has been known to work best and show up so that we can experience him and know him and, and do his will and participate in that work. God speaks. Again, messages are important and God is speaking and I want you, this is a longer reality, okay? So I want you to write this down or you can, you can uh, take a, a screenshot of the screen up here. The fourth reality is bottom line that God speaks. But there's some specific ways that we need to know and discern in reality of how God has been known to best speak. God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, the scriptures, through prayer, through circumstances, through the capital C church, meaning not one individual church like New City, but the church being the people of God, that God uses his people to speak to his people. And he does that to reveal always himself, again, that we can know him more, his purposes and his ways, or to use our vernacular, his realities, how he's been known to work best. So God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the scriptures, through prayer, through circumstances, and the church primarily to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. So let's go back to our foundational passage today about God speaking. John chapter 14, verse 26. This is Jesus speaking, teaching his disciples. And he says this, but when the Father sends the advocate, I love this language, as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and he will remind you of everything I have told you. A couple things to notice here in context for John 14, verse 26. All the persons of the Trinity, all three persons of the Trinity are found in this passage. So the word Trinity is never found in the New Testament, but the Trinity itself, the Godhead, the three persons of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are found in this passage, and it's in the context of God speaking together in community with one another, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, to us. And specifically, Jesus says that the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit, our advocate. Don't you love that? His representative to indwell us as his people and speak to us. And how does God speak to us? What's the message? Don't miss this, okay? Two things. 
the Holy Spirit's going to speak, and he's going to do it in two ways. He's going to teach you everything. That's pretty good. He's going to teach you everything. And what else? He's going to remind you of everything. Who's doing the speaking here? Jesus. He's going to remind you of everything that I have taught you. Everything that I've taught you, everything I've told you, he's going to remind you of that. You know, we tend to forget the things we need to remember, and we remember the things we need to forget. So when we come together and we study God's word together like we're doing now, when we read the scriptures in the morning, when we're in our our small groups, whatever the context that might be, and we study God's word and we talk about God's word, we got to write it down. We got to remember. We got to talk about it. You know, we studied John or Mark chapter 4 this week in our Discovering Jesus uh, group. And we talked about different types of seed and a good soil where the seed can take root. And part of the seed, the truth of God taking root in our hearts is cultivating it. And oftentimes that comes through repetition. And it comes through us dwelling and meditating, reminding ourselves of God's truth. Because let's just take a step back. Noisy world, right? Lots of people that would love to get the microphone of your heart. And speak into that. So we have to keep coming back to God's truth. And what Jesus tells us here, that God sends the Holy Spirit to to teach us and to remind us of his truth. So so it begs the question, how does he do that? Let's spend the balance of our time this morning talking about that. How does God speak by the Holy Spirit to us? Again, realities in the scriptures, in the narrative of God. How has God been known to best do this? Is God limited to these four ways? No. No. But these are the primary ways that he's been known to speak to people just like us as we're trying to hear from God through all the noise in our lives to listen to the message, the important message that overcomes all obstacles to speak a word to us. So if you have something to write down with, I would really encourage you to write these down. Our bottom line reality that God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, through prayer, through circumstances, and through his people. Let's spend a couple minutes on each of these. God speaks through the scriptures. The scriptures that I'm holding right now, 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. 66 books that are curated by the Holy Spirit for us to know God, know his ways, and know his purposes. There were more things that God did. John himself says, if I were to record all the stories of Jesus, there's not enough books in the world that could contain all the stories and things that Jesus said and did. That's a lot. So in other words, I'm giving you a selected biography of who Jesus is and what he did, what God wants you to know about him so that you can be obedient to it and follow it. And the same is true for the rest of the scriptures. God curates these stories, people just like us, of how he showed up in their lives, how he worked, the miracles that he performed, how he spoke, how he instructed us so that we can model our lives and know God more and experience him more. God speaks through the scriptures. And here's the deal, guys. We talked about this last week with Moses. And this is, maybe this is just me. But when I read the story of Moses, which is probably my favorite story in the Old Testament, the story of Moses, I think about in Exodus 3, well, if, if I had a burning bush in my life, then I would listen to God. Then I would turn and notice like Moses did. And I love that quote last week from Elizabeth Browning where she said, you know, the world is full of burning bushes, but not all of us will turn aside and take off our shoes. Most of us will just sit there and eat blackberries. We just don't notice it. And here's the deal, guys. The scriptures, one of the primary ways that God speaks to us today, 
is a burning bush. And I want to make this point, and I want to do it in this way. Through another person, a character in the scriptures named Abraham, who God begins to speak to, just like he speaks to us. God gives him a message to obey. And in Genesis chapter 12 and following, you can read his story. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, as we think about the power of the scriptures, God speaks to Abraham, and do you remember the message? Abraham, leave your family and your relatives, which you're like, that's okay, that sounds, that sounds all right. Leave your relatives and go to a place that I'm going to show you. So leave your family, leave your hometown, leave your business, leave your, every, your home, everything that you know in your life. Abraham's probably around 75 years old at this time. Leave it all and just start walking. And how about this? I will show you as you're walking where you're meant to go. How many of you would sign up for that? Remember the God stop me method? That ain't gonna work here. God says, I'm ahead of you. You follow me and do what I've told you to do. Listen and obey and then wait. And then I'll tell you the next thing. And Abraham does it. And this repeats over and over again. And here's the point when we think about the scriptures and God speaking to us through his word. Recorded in the Bible, there are only eight times that God speaks to Abraham over the course of, are you ready for this? 100 years. From the age of 75 to 175, God speaks in eight brief conversations that are recorded in the Bible to Abraham. And I love what Henry Blackaby says about this. I want to make sure I get his quote right. He says about this way that God speaks to Abraham. He says, if you were to ask Abraham, would you, I love this, would you prefer eight brief conversations with God over your lifetime? Or a book that showed you exactly what God is like and his plans and the ways that he works. And Blackaby says, I think Abraham would choose the latter. Give me the scriptures. Abraham didn't have the Bible. It wasn't recorded for him. He had to rely on the miraculous and the voice of God itself. And he had to listen to that and obey. Now, and let me just say, if you go and read for yourself, and you should, beginning of Genesis chapter 12, Abraham did not always get it right, okay? He didn't. Hagar, Ishmael, right? He got ahead of God. And Ishmael and Isaac, and what really is a family conflict, is still raging today between the two. And we can trace it all the way back to Abraham getting ahead of God. When they went to Pharaoh in Egypt, when they went to other powerful kings, Abraham had this play that he repeated over and over again, which is terrible. He would say, Sarah's not really my wife. She's my sister. So that he wouldn't be treated harshly. The times, here's the point. Abraham wasn't perfect. None of us are on this side of eternity. But he's a wonderful model in many ways of obeying God and believing God, even through his difficulties and the ways that he missed it and fumbled it. And every time that Abraham missed it and fumbled it, and we will too, it was because he got ahead of God. It was the God stop me method. I'm gonna get ahead and God, you come up here. I got this, God. I'll take control of this. I've heard enough. And what would happen over and over again is that Abraham would have to be stopped and have to listen again to God. Moreover, okay, just, just to make this point about the power of the scriptures and the fact that we're holding a burning bush in our hands, God's revelation, his message to us, that Abraham and the like in the Old Testament would have loved to have had to understand all the things that we know about God collected here and curated by the Holy Spirit for us. 
Do you know how long it was from the time that God promised Abraham that you're going to have a son that's going to be your heir? And you're going to be the father of a great, mighty nation. And I'm going to make your name great. And, you know, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to other people. Do you know how long it was from that wonderful promise to Abraham, that brief conversation to the time that Isaac was born? 25 years. 25 years from the message to the fulfillment. Now, I can't wait 25 minutes for God to begin to work and show up and to fix something or to give me wisdom. And I'm just simply making the point that this was a person who was not perfect, but who really did try to believe God, obey God, and then wait for God. And that's really the pattern if you're taking notes. When it comes to the scriptures and when it comes to some of the models that we see in the scriptures, it's hearing from God, it's obeying what God has told us to do, and then waiting for God to speak. And oftentimes it's that last one waiting for God to speak again that trips me up. And I just want to say this to somebody in the room, somebody watching online right now, that I know is in a situation, a moment in your life where you're desperate to hear from God, where you really want to hear that message from God, where you really want to do the things that God is asking you to do. I just, I don't know who that is, but I want to speak to that right now. Go back to the last thing that you heard God tell you. What do you already know about God? Some of you may have to go way back to being a fourth grader at Bible camp or in a class or uh, with your grandmother having a spiritual conversation with you or some kind of reality where God made himself known that you know that you know that you know that you know that God spoke to you. And you may have to go all the way back there and just continue to, to be obedient and come back to that simple truth that you learned a long time ago. Some of you, it was last week that God spoke and you need to go back to that. When you wanna know what God is doing, go back to what God has done. When you wanna know what God is saying, go back to what God has said. And for many of us, we've run way too far ahead and we haven't waited on God to speak to us. And then we're angry and frustrated with God because of our own plans. And here's the deal, guys. God is not obligated to stop you from your way. Sometimes in his graciousness, he will. But oftentimes he lets us have our way and run ahead. And we have to hit the wall over and over again to realize something's off here. And I just want to encourage you, if you're hitting the wall right now and you're like, where is God? And I'm not hearing from him. Go back to the last thing you heard him say. Abraham had to go back over and over again to the last word, sometimes years of how God made himself known to us and just keep obeying until God spoke again and waiting in that. This is so powerful. And, and God uses that. He uses his word to be a revelation to us. And this revelation is his invitation to be obedient to what we already know. I don't have to pray. Look, I don't have to pray and seek God to wonder, do I, should I love my neighbor? He's already told me that. I, I don't have to pray, should I love my wife and, and serve my wife and my kids? He's already told me that. I, I, I don't have to pray about, should I seek God and, and pray and, and read the scriptures and know his truth? He's already told me to do that. And so what's the point? The point is, I'll speak for myself. I don't have an information problem as much as I have an obedience problem. And some of us, we just want more information, more information, more details, more information, more information. And God's saying, just be obedient with what I already told you. Show that you can handle what I've already told you. God says to Abraham, leave Ur, leave your family, leave your household, leave your relatives. I'll show you when you start walking. 
And for some of us, we're still sitting back at Ur going, I need more information. I need a manual. I need a plan. I need you to show me how you work and who you are and what you do. And God's going, sitting right on your table. It's sitting right by your bed. It's sitting right in a place where you can get up every morning a little early and read it. And look, I'm not trying to shame or condemn or any of that. If you hear that, that that is not what's being said here. But I am gonna speak prophetically here that many of you are asking God for information and to know something, whatever, and it's sitting right in your house, collecting dust. And God's asking you to open up his word because it's a burning bush and begin to, to read it and meditate on it and pray it and ask for him desperately to speak to you. And listen, guys, again, if you're hearing me like shaming or condemning, it's not because I'm saying it to myself. And us being students of the word together and opening the scriptures together. Okay, you with me? God speaks. Are you with me? Anybody awake? Okay, God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the scriptures and three other ways that I'm gonna mention very quickly. And the reason why I'm gonna do it quickly is because every single one of them have to come back to what God has already said in his word. So if you hear something in prayer, one of these other primary ways that God speaks that doesn't match up with his word, it's not God. God's never gonna contradict himself. So come back to the scriptures, that's why it's first. It's his gift to us to know him, his ways and his will for our life. But God does speak in different ways. God does speak through prayer. And prayer is simply a conversation with God. It's not a religious duty or act. It's a conversation and a way for us to talk to God and listen to God. I love what Ann Voskamp says about prayer. She says, prayer is not to remind our God of what our problems are, but to remind us of who God is in our problems. Prayer is a relationship. It's a two-way conversation. And as Tim Keller says, prayer, in prayer, God either gives us what we ask for in prayer or he begins to give us what we would ask for if we knew God's will. In other words, he begins to shape, reshape our hearts to pray the prayer that matches his will. That is the power of prayer. And oftentimes, I, I do wanna say, as we're reading the scriptures, whether that's a chapter or a day, there's all kinds of different Bible reading plans. All you have to do is Google that. You'll, you'll find so many ways to do this. It's an incredible time to be alive where you have the scriptures in your pocket on a device that'll read it to you, that'll tell you all kinds of, the best preachers in the world and expositors in the world and, and, and academics in the world right on your phone. That'll tell you all kinds of things about his word, but you gotta access it. And one of the ways that we learn how to pray, and we've talked about prayer before, you can go back and find that on our website. If you wanna know how to pray, find somebody who knows how to pray and listen to them. Just be around them, listen to them pray. Not because you have to mimic everything, but learn how they pray. And one of the best ways to learn how to pray is to read the scriptures and see people modeling it right in front of you. Begin to pray the scriptures. Pray them out loud for your children, for yourself, for your family. God speaks through the scriptures. He speaks through prayer. He speaks through circumstances. Yes, God does speak through circumstances. God knows the time that we were born in, the families that we were born in, our family of origin, our temperaments, our personalities, our giftedness. 
the season of life, the time and history that we were born in. And God uses all this to reveal himself and yes, speak to us. And oftentimes, I think two ways that God speaks to us through our circumstances. The first is that we can match up if I'm praying for something that clearly does not match at all the circumstances that I was born into or the gifts that God has given to me. For instance, if I'm praying and laboring for years, should I try out to be an NFL linebacker? Should I do that, God? Is that really your will for my life? I'm a 46-year-old slow man who is not built like an NFL linebacker. So I can, I mean, I'm not saying God could do anything. But when I look at my circumstances, it doesn't seem to match. It doesn't seem to match. And so we can discern that. I mean, really, we can look at circumstances and see, not that God can't overcome that, but God works in real time through real people, through real personalities. And that's a part of how he makes himself known to us. And here's the other thing with circumstances. God uses circumstances a lot of times to stop us. It's the, it's for me at least, it's the God stop me method and God uses circumstances to do that. And I'm not saying that God causes all of your circumstances, but I think he allows certain circumstances to happen, oftentimes storms to come in your life to stop you and to get your attention. And I don't know about you, but the times where my heart is most attuned, remember that radio frequency of am I listening to, if God is speaking, am I listening? God oftentimes tunes my heart to his frequency through storms, through valleys of the shadow of death, through crisis where I just, I just have to hear from God. And God does that. And don't ever forget this, that if you feel the rain and the storms and the wind beating on your heart through circumstances, I know some of you are just going through it right now. And people in your family and life, they're going through it. And when you feel the rain and the wind beating on your heart, just remember that God uses the rain and the wind to soften the soil of our hearts. That oftentimes it's before he wants to give us a seed of truth, something that he wants to give us, a message that he wants us to receive, that he has to send a circumstance in our life to soften our hearts so that we'll receive it, that we'll be attuned to it, that we'll hear it. And God uses circumstances for that. And finally, God speaks through people, specifically his followers, the church, capital C church. God speaks through his people to his people. God allows us the privilege of journeying with other people and praying with other people and speaking counsel and wisdom from those scriptures to other people. And so that begs the question, who are people in your life that their hearts are tuned in to the frequency of God? I'm not talking about somebody that has a big social media platform. I'm not talking about someone that just desperately wants to share their hot sports opinion with you about every topic in your life. I'm not talking about that person. I'm talking about the person that is warm to the things of God, that is attuned to the things of God, that seriously holds the things of God and will take what you say to them and not spread it and gossip about it, but say, I will hold this with you before Jesus. So powerful. You don't need many of them. You need two to three people and pray for them. They're probably already around you. You need two to three people that will journey with you and be a partner with you in hearing from God. That will not just tell you what you wanna hear. And by the way, if you have friends in your life that always agree with you, you, you don't have a friend or a partner in hearing from God, you have a parrot. You have parrots in your life. And the reason why people parrot back to you is because they expect you to parrot back to them. 
And so you just affirm one another over a cliff. And you need people in your life who will say, danger, it doesn't match up with what God's saying. What you're doing does not match up with what God has already said. And oftentimes with those people, because we don't always say it the right way and we fumble all over ourselves and it's hard to say, but remember, remember that the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. And it may not always feel good, but your true friend is gonna say, hey, I see something in your life. It doesn't match up with what God says. I love you too much not to say it because I want God's best for you. God speaks, bottom line, reality four, God speaks by the Holy Spirit, primarily through the scriptures, through prayer, through circumstances, and through his people, through the church. And he does so always to reveal himself, to reveal his purposes, to reveal his ways, his realities, the way that he's been known to work. So the question, the question is are we listening? Are we listening? As we sang today our prayer, are we making room in our hearts to hear from God, to be surprised by God, to hear a truth from God? Are we making room and cultivating that? On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he sat at a table, and I think what he was doing in part was making room for his disciples, just like us, to be reminded of truth, to reveal again who he was, and to speak that truth, that message into their lives. And he did it in a very visceral way. He took bread and he gave thanks for it and he broke it, saying, this is my body that is given for you. They didn't fully understand it, but he was speaking a message to them and asking them to make room for a kingdom to come in their hearts. Likewise, he took a cup and he said, this cup represents a new covenant that I'm making in my blood. And he said, as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim, think about that, you speak a message of my sacrifice. And when you speak that message, you're reminding yourself of the same message. You're participating and communicating my message to people, to all of humanity. So this table speaks. This is an ancient table that Jesus put into place. He instituted it for us to be reminded of his sacrifice and to speak his love and his kindness to us. And we should prepare our hearts for it. And so I wanna give you just a moment of quiet to pray and reflect, prepare your hearts, and then we'll come to the table together. Let's pray together.